Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Cala Cofield. Today I'm talking with Deandra Leslie Pilecki. She's a physicist at West Virginia University and the author of the book, The Physics of NASCAR. What on earth do physics and NASCAR have in common? Quite a lot, as it turns out. Today we'll talk with Leslie Pilecki about the wealth of physics to be found in NASCAR and whether or not the people who work on the track realize that what they're doing is actually very similar to what scientists do in the lab. We'll also hear a bit about Leslie Pilecki's NASCAR-related activities since the publication of her book. That's today on the Physics Central Podcast. The word NASCAR is an acronym. It stands for the National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing. NASCAR is the largest and most popular racing series in the United States. It's one of the most highly viewed sports in the country. But for as popular as NASCAR is with a large percentage of Americans, there are also many people who associate it with some negative stereotypes. Things like it being a so-called redneck sport, something that intelligent people would not enjoy, or that the people who watch it only do so because they want to see the car crashes. And it's perhaps because of those negative stereotypes that many people respond with confusion and surprise to the title of Deandra Leslie Pilecki's book, The Physics of NASCAR. So this is often one of the first questions that she gets asked. First question is just what in the world do physics and NASCAR have to do with each other? Well, NASCAR would not be possible without physics. Basically, everything about NASCAR is physics. And I think that's a really important point to make because when people think about physics, they tend to think about elementary particles or the Higgs boson or astrophysics and black holes. And what they miss is that everything we do, every time you walk out the door, you are using basic physics. It is all around us and you use it every day. That sounds all well and good, but maybe you're still skeptical. I mean, NASCAR is just cars driving in a circle, right? How hard could it be? But they're driving in those circles between 130 and 200 miles an hour. And how easy is it to drive in a circle even when you're only going 60 miles an hour? I mean, think about a circular freeway off-ramp. When you're going 60 miles an hour on the freeway and you exit onto one of those circles, you have to slow down because otherwise your car drifts to the outside of the road. And if you take it too fast, your car might slide out. If you're going straight and you're going to turn left, there's got to be a force pushing you left. And if you extrapolate that into a circle, what that means is that at every point when you're turning around a circle, there's a force pointing toward the center of that circle. And that's called a centripetal force. That force is what enables you to turn. So on a flat piece of road, that centripetal force comes from the friction between your tires and the ground. If you go too fast, you could overcome that frictional force, and that's when your car slides out. But there's another way to get that centripetal force and actually get it from the road. You can bank the turn, which means tilt the road up just a little bit toward the center of the circle. 
Then a portion of the centripetal force comes from the road actually pushing up on the bottom of your car. So a freeway exit is usually banked at about three or four degrees. The NASCAR racetrack at Talladega is banked at over 30 degrees. 30 degrees, that means that when you go two feet along the road, you're going up an elevation of one foot. So when you look at how wide that speedway is, it, the height that you're going up is actually a couple stories. It's, it's a really, you have to be there and actually see it to appreciate it. We filmed um, some of the NSF Science of Speed series at Texas Motor Speedway, which is 24-degree banking. And I had made the mistake of thinking I was going to wear my really cool high-heeled boots when we were filming. You cannot wear high heels on 24-degree banking, it turns out. So if you look at a track like Bristol Motor Speedway, which is a, a little half-mile track, if you look at that track, cars are going about 130 miles an hour around the turns. It takes six and a half tons of force to get them to make that turn. And there's no way the tires could possibly generate that much turning force. So some of that force has to come from the track. It's not just that physics can be used to explain NASCAR. NASCAR has actually provided insights into physics. If you think about it, there is no science lab on Earth that's doing experiments exactly like what's happening on a NASCAR track. You have these massive objects traveling at these insane speeds, and they provide a laboratory for discovering things that even physicists don't already know. So a really good example of that is when something called drafting was discovered. And drafting, you may know from something like when birds fly in a certain formation, they save energy because they sort of ride in the wake of the other birds. Bicyclists do this. Well, race cars do this too in some places. And it was discovered entirely by accident by a driver. He got there in a, a non-competitive car. And he was looking to see, well, if I get up behind a car that's running really well, maybe I could see what he's doing. And what he realized is when he got that close to the car, the wake of the car pulled him along. And all of a sudden, him and this car in front of him were going three to five miles faster than everyone else. Well, nobody understood why that was actually happening for a number of years. But I guarantee you, the minute one driver saw another driver going faster, they all started doing the same thing. And so now you have people who use computational fluid dynamics and techniques like they use at NASA and at Boeing to model this drafting process and figure out how the drivers can do it more efficiently. But it was discovered entirely by accident. Ten years ago, Leslie Pilecki knew nothing about NASCAR. Like many people, it just wasn't something she was exposed to. And then in 2007, she saw a NASCAR race on TV, and she was curious about the motion of the cars on the track. So she did some research and realized that this sport is all about physics. So she started using NASCAR as a teaching tool for her undergraduate physics students. After talking to some people who worked on NASCAR teams, she paid a visit to a NASCAR garage where she saw even more physics ideas being put to use. You know, one of the things that really surprised me was I was at a track called Martinsville, which is a very short track, and you use your brakes a lot. And one of the problems with when you use your brakes a lot is it generates an awful lot of heat. 
And in fact, it can generate so much heat that the bead on the tire, and that's the part that actually seals against the wheel and holds the air in the tire, the tires can get so hot that the bead actually melts. And if that happens, of course, you lose all the air in your tire, and that's really bad. Well, when I was there watching the crew get the car ready, they were actually trying to use reflective tape. And so the tape was very shiny, very metallic, and the idea was that they were going to reflect the heat. Instead of it going into the bead of the tire, it would actually be reflected away from the bead of the tire. And this is a very basic principle. It's something that everyone who takes first semester basic physics has probably heard of. But here they are using it actually, you know, on the racetrack. That really surprised me. I'd never thought of that. Are the people who are working in this sport, the drivers and engineers and team leaders, are they scientists and engineers? How much do they actually have to know? The people who work in NASCAR run the gamut. You will have people who have graduated high school, and you will have one team, Richard Childress Racing, which currently has five PhDs in science and engineering on staff. Um, I wouldn't say that the degree of your education necessarily has anything to do with how much math and science you use, though, because everybody has to use the math and science. One of the really interesting things working with these folks is when I talked to the PhDs, you know, we spoke the same language, and so we could communicate easily. When I started talking to the mechanics, the drivers, um, some of the people with bachelor's degrees, I realized, you know, they understand all the physics, but they don't use the same words I use when I talk about the physics. So, for example, they always talk about grip. We need more grip. Well, that's friction, but it takes a little while to make that translation. I think it was actually really good for me as a teacher because it made me realize that sometimes I use words for physics in very specific ways that are different than what my students are used to using those words for. And so it really made me aware that every field has its own jargon, and you have to appreciate the jargon before you can really understand what's going on. And do those uh, people who, who don't have the technical degrees, do they know that what they're doing is science and engineering, or do they just know it as NASCAR? I don't think they're necessarily conscious that they're doing science because the process of what we call it dialing in a car, you know, you have your car, it's got certain springs and shocks on it. You take it to the track for practice. You practice, you're really bad. Well, now you got to figure out what's going on. So you change something. Then the driver goes back out. You see if it made it better or worse. Well, this is the scientific method. This is what we do in the lab all the time. And if you watch these guys and girls debug the cars, they are doing science, but they never think of it that way. I would mention that to people, and they'd say, oh, no, I'm not smart enough to do science. And I have to tell them, you're doing science. NASCAR was established a little over 60 years ago, and there continues to be a lot of innovation in the sport, particularly in the area of safety. You have cars going around a track at 180 miles an hour, a race car at 180 miles an hour has the same amount of kinetic energy as a little more than two pounds of um, TNT. So when the car crashes, everyone's heard conservation of energy. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. I have all this energy in the car. Where does that energy go? It has to be transferred somehow. And if it's transferred to the driver, you're going to have an injured driver. So the question of safety, how do you dissipate energy. How do I take the energy of a speeding race car and deposit it somewhere safely? 
And that's one of the big struggles. So I think one of the, the biggest advances in NASCAR, and this was way back in uh, 2001, 2002, was the development of safer barriers. And these are barriers that actually give when you hit them. And they have decreased the amount of uh, injury within NASCAR hugely. And so as the cars have gotten faster and faster, they're now able to hit the wall and really the driver just walks away from it, which is pretty astounding. Leslie Pilecki says the NASCAR community became very highly focused on safety in 2001. That year, four drivers were killed. Some aspects of NASCAR safety are rather obvious, like making fireproof suits for the drivers and windshields that don't shatter. But some safety issues don't reveal themselves until an accident happens. One of the big challenges with safety is designing things that are very strong and can move. So you have a catch fence, and that catch fence surrounds the entire track. It goes up, I don't know, 25 or 30 feet in the air. So it's a huge chain-link fence. Well, you have to have a way for people to get across the track from the stands into the infield. That means you have to have a gate in the catch fence. And the problem is the minute you put that gate there, you've weakened the fence. And we had a really bad example of that this year during the Nationwide Race, which is sort of the, the minor league series. We had a car that went up, hit the catch fence, tumbled around a couple times, came back down. The driver was fine, but unfortunately the car is hit at exactly the wrong point in the gate, in the catch fence. And it actually went through the gate, parts of the car did, and injured spectators. And that was something that, you know, nobody really could have predicted was going to happen. Fans were up in arms. This needs to be fixed. This should be fixed within a week. You know, and the, the people within NASCAR had to explain, this is a, a whole new science problem that we have to figure out the answer to. It's not like we know the answer and we just haven't done it. Nobody knows the answer to this problem. It may take us two days. It may take us two weeks. It could take two months before we understand what we need to do to improve the safety. And so I think that's actually one of the, the positive things that, that can come out of tragedies like this is people understand that science is not like the way they learned it was in school, where you're trying to find out the answer to something you already know. Science is about figuring out stuff we don't know, which, of course, is why it's interesting in the first place. The Physics of NASCAR was published in 2008, but Leslie Pilecki has continued to talk to the public and to scientists about this topic. And you can hear her discuss the science of NASCAR on a satellite radio show called Sirius Speedway. That's S-I-R-I-U-S. She appears in a regular segment where she and the host bust NASCAR myths. Oh, we had a lot of good myths. Um, one of my favorites is that you will sometimes see a car go from the asphalt, slide off the asphalt onto grass. And the radio commentators will say, oh, the car speeds up when it hits the grass because there's less, less friction. Like, no, 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 conservation of energy. There is no way the car can speed up. What it's doing is it's slowing down at a slower rate. So it's still slowing down. It's just not slowing down as fast as it would if it were on the asphalt. So we talked about that one, and I still have people arguing with me about that one because it just intuitively looks like that's what's happening. But we have talked about everything from the, um, 
the heat and the noise in the car, how that affects a driver's decision-making ability and response time. We've talked about, uh, we had a, um, we had a drug scandal. We've talked about that and, you know, how gas chromatography works and how it's possible to detect a single molecule. Uh, I explained thermodynamics. I explained the zeroth law of thermodynamics one time on the show in talking about heat and how heat affects drivers, it turns out. And working on the satellite radio show has put Leslie Pilecki in touch with a group of people who normally have little or no interaction with science. A large fraction of the audience for satellite radio are over-the-road truckers. And it's absolutely fascinating because I will get emails from these people and inevitably, every week, I will get at least one email where someone will say, you know, I always assumed I was not smart enough to understand science, but you made me realize I can understand this if I just find the right person to explain it. And for me, that makes, you know, all the, the stress, because I get really stressed before I do these, it makes all the stress and all the prep work well worth it. When you get an email like that, it just makes your day. NASCAR is not Leslie Pilecki's full-time job. At West Virginia University, she studies nanomaterials and how they might be used in medical applications. She says her outreach work has helped her in her research because it's improved her ability to communicate science to people with different backgrounds. And she emphasizes the importance of what she's doing in the fight to keep the public interested in science. NASCAR is one avenue that you can use to take things that people already have interest in and twist that around and show them where science is. I don't want to foist NASCAR on anyone who isn't interested in NASCAR. It could be dancing. It could be music. It could be rap. It could be any other kind of sports. I think this is something that we really miss as scientists. You'll hear this phrase, science for all, and we seem to sometimes interpret this as everyone needs to be interested in what I am doing and what I think is scientifically interesting. And we need to turn that around. We need to look and see what people already think is interesting and show them why science is relevant to that. So it doesn't have to be NASCAR. It could be any one of a number of other things. But it's keying on to what people already find interesting and then showing them the science there. Thank you to Deandra Leslie Pilecki for being on the podcast. You can learn more about her at her website, drdeandra, that's drdeandra.com. You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Callie Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more of the Physics Central Podcast.